Good morning, everyone. May God's peace be with you. I'm Pastor Solomon, one of the pastors at the Evangelical Chinese Church. And on behalf of ECC, I want to especially greet our brothers and sisters at UPC and Damascus. We sincerely hope that you are doing well during this time. And we are so grateful that we could come together as one big family of God to journey together and to worship our Heavenly Father together. I entitled today's message, Back to the Heart of God. Back to the Heart of God. Now, I know that's our desire in all of us as children of God, that we want to be people after his own heart, that we want to have that intimate and vibrant relationship with our Heavenly Father. But would you agree with me that from time to time in our Christian journey, that instead of being close to God, we grow distant from God? And yes, we may be, you know, singing the songs and, and reading the Bible and we are praying and we're worshiping God, but in reality, we're simply going through the motions. And when that happens, count on it. We missed the heart of God. Here's the outline of today's message. Missing the point, helping the poor, trusting the Redeemer. Today we will see in Isaiah 58, our scripture passage for us today. In Isaiah 58, God's people, we see them worshiping God, doing all the right things and fulfilling all the religious practices. But in reality, they were far from God. Listen to what God, how God describes them. Verse 2. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Hey, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, like a whole bunch of outstanding Christians here. But listen to what God said about them. God's word to his prophet Isaiah, verse 1. God says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression. To the house of Jacob, their sins. See, God is telling his prophet Isaiah, shout aloud. Get their attention. Tell them, tell my people that they have got it all wrong, that they have missed the heart of God. They totally missed the point. And that's our first point, missing the point. See, these religious people, somewhere along the line, they have derailed from God's ways. They have, uh, somewhere along the line, they missed 
the heart of God. Even though they were so religious and devout in their religious practices to the point that they were even fasting. Now, you know that people who are fasting, they are super Christians, right? However, they were missing the point. Listen to what God said about their fasting. And as I read these verses, please listen to the heart of God. Verse 3. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is this only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? I mean, my brothers and sisters, do you hear the heart of God here? Do you hear his disappointment? I mean, how can we hear those words and not feel convicted, right? How can these words of God not pierce our soul? Right here, God is so disappointed, so disappointed that his people, they were acting one way on Sundays, but living completely different lives the rest of the week. You've all heard of the expression that we use every Easter, where we say, yes, it is Friday, but what's coming? Sunday is coming, right? Yes, it is Friday right now. It is Friday. We know it is Friday, but we know something. We know that Sunday is coming. Well, right here, Isaiah's warning for God's people is this. Yes, it is Sunday, but Monday's coming. <laughs> Monday's coming where we have to practice what we preach where we must integrate our theology and our sociology, as Pastor James would put it. True faith in God, our worship must be translated into our everyday life. And if our faith is true and it's genuine and it's real, then count on it. There will be fruit in our everyday life. Where it's not just one day, but every day. It's kind of like this. Today is Mother's Day. And to all the moms and mothers at heart out there, we wish you happy Mother's Day. Um, it, it's, it's a day for us to honor you and acknowledge you for all that you've done, all the sacrifice and everything, all that you've been through. And it, today is the day that, that we acknowledge you and we shower you with, with gifts and with flowers and with cards and with chocolates. And, but it would be so wrong. And this is where mothers get ready here. It's, it's going to be a, a spot, a good spot for amen here, all right? And I want to speak to the children right now. It would be so wrong if we honor, acknowledge, appreciate our mothers, honor them, recognize them only one day out of the year. And the rest of the year, we 
we neglect them, we take them for granted. That would be so wrong. Amen? Amen? Yeah, all the moms are saying amen right now. Yeah. Listen. Listen. Same thing with pastor's appreciation. Oh, no, no, no. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? Same thing with God. We, we just can't just worship and honor God one day a week and then forget about him and do whatever we please the rest of the week. And that's exactly what God's people were doing here. Even though they were so devout before God to the point that they were fasting, their lifestyle did not match to their worship on Sundays. They missed the point. And no wonder God says in verse 5, is that what you call a fast? I mean, can you just hear the disgust right in God's heart? You call that a fast? God took great offense at that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Chinese people are eating inauthentic Chinese food. You know, where you taste the food, it's like, whoa, you call this Chinese food? And we Chinese people, we take our food seriously. Every year, our church would, uh, goes to this church campsite for our annual church retreat. And guess what? One year, they decided to do the unthinkable. They decided to serve us Chinese food. Now, camp food is bad enough. Can you imagine eating Chinese camp food? It's like, whoa, you call this Chinese food? God says, you call this a fast? You call this worship? God took great offense at that. These people, they missed the point. They missed the heart of God. What is the heart of God? Let's keep reading verses 6 and 7. From here, we see a glimpse of the heart of God. Verse 6. It's not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? See, these devout religious people, on the one hand, they were worshiping God, but on the other hand, they neglected the needs of those who are most vulnerable in their midst. And that's the second point we're looking at, helping the poor, helping the poor. And today, the, the scripture we read, it says, loosening the chains of injustice and setting the oppressed free. Now, these are lofty ideas. And, and when, hear, when we hear those words, they seem too complicated. The problems seem too complicated for us to resolve. However, Old Testament theologian Walter 
Brookman brings it down to our individual level. And this is what he said. Let me read to you. This is not a theoretical debate about the merits of socialism or capitalism. A debate that is a smokescreen about human needs and human resources. There is here no debate about governmental public welfare or the private sector. The, po the poet Isaiah does not care and would be likely to say, do it either way, but do not talk about the private sector in order to avoid public welfare. Do not focus on public welfare in order to exempt the private sector. What we are in any case talking about is hunger, homelessness, nakedness, and your bread, your house, and your self. Did you hear that? What we're talking about is hunger, homelessness, nakedness, and your bread, and your house, and your self. It's our individual responsibility. The question is, what are we doing as individuals? What are we doing? What are we going to do with the poor, the needy, and the marginalized among us? See, this is our Christian duty and our calling as God's people. James chapter 1 verse 27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What is true religion? What is the kind of worship that is pleasing to God? Yes, to keep ourselves pure, which we all know. But that's not all. To also look after the needy. And God says, that is true religion. Now, do you see how God has a special place for the needy and the, the poor and the, the marginalized in our midst? Remember the passage where Jesus, on the judgment day, where he will speak to these two groups of people, and he's going to say to them, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was without shelter, and you invited me in. I was in prison, and you came, and you visited me. And each group is going to ask him, so when, Lord, when did we see you in those situations? And Jesus is going to say to them, when you did or did not do for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me, for me. See, Jesus identifies with those who are the poor and the needy and the oppressed and the, the marginalized in our midst. Now, this very passage 
is K. Abe's, K. Abe's favorite Bible passage. And, and I want to introduce to you Mrs. K. Abe. Some of us call her Auntie K. K. began feeding the homeless in 1991. And a few years later, she assumed the responsibility over the Lord's Table which is a voluntary homeless feeding ministry where she and her volunteers served hot meals outdoors under James Street overpass at 8 p.m. almost every night. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of you have heard of this ministry or have been somehow involved in this ministry. Where every time we would go down to serve with Kay, there would be a long line of, of people wrapping around the corner, sometimes as, as many as over 200 people waiting, waiting to get a warm meal. Or right before and after serving for the evening, Kay would gather us together to form a circle where we would hold hands and we would pray in the name of Jesus, where we would thank Jesus that we have the privilege to be his hands and feet. That we would have the privilege to be able to serve our brothers and sisters in the city of Seattle. Well, on one ordinary evening of June 2018, Kayabe, at the age of 91, served her last meal. While serving at the meal site, she collapsed from a heart attack. And in a few days, she would go to be with the Lord. Fulfilling her personal desire to serve God this way until the very end. When I heard about her passing, I sadly awaited to attend her memorial service. But there was none. There was none due to her request not to draw attention to herself. And so that was it. Kay Abe quietly left this earth just like that. But only heaven knows how many lives were touched during these 27 years of service where she served the homeless with the compassion of Jesus Christ. I can only imagine upon her entrance into Jesus' eternal presence, hearing Jesus' very words, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You did it for me. Proverbs 14.31 says, Whoever oppressed the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Kay understood the heart of God. And she treated the opportunity to serve the vulnerable, the needy, as a privilege. And I hope you and I, we would treat it the same way. Amen?
Remember, what we're talking about is hunger, homelessness, nakedness, our bread, our house, ourselves. May we honor God by taking it upon ourselves to minister to the poor and the needy among us. Amen. Well, God's not done yet. There's one more thing on his heart. He wraps up today's message by saying, verses 13 to 14, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob. See, right here, we see God wanting his people to keep the Sabbath day holy, to honor him by not going uh, their own ways and doing as they please. The same concern that about their fasting, where they would be fasting, but they were also going their own way and doing as they please. So God was calling them to truly honor him by wholeheartedly obeying and keeping the Sabbath, which was to stop their labor and to rest in him. Now, let's think about the meaning of Sabbath a little deeper. And let me raise a question. Why? Why does God introduce the idea of Sabbath here? Why does God rebuke them for their fasting, but calls them to another religious practice? What is going on here? What, what is the special significance of Sabbath? Why is Sabbath so important? Is it not for God to invite his people to trust him for his provision in their lives? Remember the story of the manna in the desert. When God's people were dying of hunger in the desert, God rained down manna from heaven. You know that story. And, and there, there was one command that God gave to his people is to not collect manna on Sabbath day. And, but you know the story, God's people, they just, you know, in spite of God's clear instruction, they just were not able to obey God. And they, they, would, they would just would not listen. You know why? Why? Because they could not trust God. They did not trust God. Sabbath means rest. Rest from our labor so that we could truly focus on God and experience God's provision for us. Sure enough, when Jesus came, he reminded his audience this same story which they knew so well. But this time Jesus said to them, and guess what? You know that manna 
that came down from heaven? Well, I am that manna. I am the manna that came down from heaven. I am God's provision to man's hungry soul. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And if they have me, they will be filled. They can have rest. They could seize from their labor. They could truly rest. What is Sabbath rest? Listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10 to 11. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish. What is the Sabbath rest? rest that it's talking about here we know it's talking about Jesus Christ because Jesus is our Sabbath rest and that's why we need to trust number three trust the Redeemer trust Jesus our Savior who alone can redeem us, save us. Jesus is our Sabbath rest because what he did on the cross for our sins. When he died on the cross, he said these three words, it is finished, paid in full. We've been set free. We no longer have to earn our way to heaven because our Lord Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and he has redeemed us from the penalty and the power of sin in our lives. And as a result, we can stop, stop striving. We could, we could rest. We don't have to earn God's favor. We only need to trust in the finished work of God's provision, which is Jesus Christ for us. Today, Isaiah 58, the passage we're looking at has the word religion written all over it. Religion, religion is man relying on their own strength, right? Isn't that what religion means? Religion is man relying on themselves and their own wisdom. And we see that. We see that during this time of division that our country is, is, has been experiencing. Right? Everyone thinks they're right. <laughs> Everybody's pointing fingers and accusing each other. Yes, in our heads, we know that Jesus is our Savior. But we act like we are our own Savior. That we have the answers. Or, or that our political party is our savior and, and a particular movement is our savior. But God has a clear message for us today. God wants to get all of us, our attention. God is saying, come back. Come back to me. Back to the heart of God. 
Dr. Tony Evans, a prominent African-American pastor, speaker, author. He said this, we are facing a physical pandemic and cultural pandemic. But really, at the root of it, we are facing a spiritual pandemic. Because we have strayed from God, we have derailed from his heart, and we have sinned against him. And this is what he said. He said, and since sin is our problem, then no program will be able to solve our problems. Only God has the solution. Only God has the solution. Only God has the solution for the crisis that we are facing. And that solution is in his son, Jesus Christ, the one and only Savior who can truly save us. We cannot rely on ourselves and our wisdom. We must rely on God. The word of God says, unless the Lord built the house, its laborers labor in vain. Amen. Christianity is not a religion. No, Christianity is a genuine, personal, intimate relationship with the Almighty God. And it's when we tap into that relationship, God's power, God's peace flows into our lives, transforming us, using us to be his hands and his feet, his salt, his light in this world to glorify himself. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we rely on ourselves, we can do nothing. Let me end today's message with this story. Some of you heard of the story of the boy who had a big tree outside of his window. The tree was just tall enough that whenever he would be grounded in his room upstairs, he could climb out of his window onto the tree and sneak out with his friends. Well, one day he overheard his father saying that the tree was useless because it never bore them any fruit and he was going to have to cut it down. Well, that evening, this boy and his friends snuck out and bought all these apples and somehow attached these apples onto the tree, hoping that his father would see it and would change his mind. Early next morning, this boy was awakened by his father yelling to his mom, honey, honey, look, you would not believe this. It's a miracle. There are apples growing on our peach tree. What a powerful reminder, right? That the real work of God, the fruit that God has called us to bear, cannot be attached, cannot be manufactured by man. 
But the true work of God, the, the healing and the restoration and the reconciliation, all these things that we so want to accomplish in our city and in our world can only come from God himself. And it's only when we truly submit ourselves to God's lordship, his healing, his peace, his power flows in and through us into the broken places, the, the messy places in our city and in our world. So what do you say? Let's truly humble ourselves and return, return to the Redeemer. Amen? For that is the heart of God. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for you were rich, but you became poor for our sake. You died on the cross for our sins. We praise you. We lift you up because you are our Savior. Thank you for reminding us today that you and you alone have the answer to the pain, the agony, the oppression and the brokenness in this world and help us not to rely on our own strength and our own wisdom, but help us to come to you, humble ourselves before you, repent before you and cry out to you for help for you are our beautiful and marvelous redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.